0: Welcome back to the Swamp 24 7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we are recording right now after just getting some pretty significant news. We now know the start time and the TV network for three of Florida's first four games, as well as the Georgia game. Finally getting into that time of the year where it feels like it's actually football season. Now we can circle the dates on the calendars. Uh, We were able to do that a couple weeks ago. Now we have actual kickoff times. Uh, Blake, I'm going to go ahead and read off the kickoff times, and then I wanted to gauge your reaction on, you know, I don't know how important these things are, especially with, you know, light fan attendance this year, but I don't know. I want to see what we think about these. So uh, for Florida, the Ole Miss game on September 26th, is going to be at noon on ESPN. Uh, that one will obviously be on the road, Blake. And then Florida will come back home with another noon game against South Carolina in week two in the swamp. And then the third week is actually on the road against Texas A&M. But Florida does not know the game time for that one yet. Uh, I take it there's probably some negotiation uh, going on between CBS and ESPN on that one. Uh, but the following week, week four against LSU at home in the swamp. We'll be at 3.30 on either ESPN or ESPN2. So, Blake, what's your reaction to two back-to-back noon games to start the season?
1: It's definitely going to be hot. I mean, no matter where you're at. I mean, in the South, man, I mean, it's hot. Um, And I I guess I'm probably reaching a little bit here, but just the fact that it's been been a little bit of, you know, these guys behind the eight ball as as far as, you know, just the shutdown. You know, you're not getting that. You know, a the spring football, you didn't get the workouts. You know, you didn't get a you didn't get a lot of things. So I guess just the extreme heat. You know, you always kind of expect a slow start into the season, anyways. You're kind of you know first working off you know the rust, and you're doing you know working out you know little technical things and whatnot. But you know, Florida is going to start the you know their games a in Mississippi where you know it's still pretty warm. Just I guess what I'm getting at here is just the lack of you know maybe being as as in shape you know maybe you would in a normal year I guess the heat could play a factor there um, you know obviously Florida you know in practice and it's hot every day and I mean a lot of these guys are used to the heat you know it may not be the biggest deal in the world um, but you know either way you know you don't want to have these kind of factors you know you don't want guys cramping up you know just uh, as they kind of ease in the season normally you know you have uh, you know Florida would be playing eastern Washington a little bit of an easier game you know Florida could kind of I guess, catch their stride a little bit in a normal schedule. And, you know, here we are, you know, 10 SEC games, you know, you you have to obviously jump in and, you know, you've got to hit the ground running. So, uh, you know, maybe not the biggest deal in the world, but, you know, I I guess it's just something that, you know, did cross my mind.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't really love a noon start for the opener. You know, if you're a Florida fan, obviously, uh, I guess on the one hand, you're excited that you don't have to wait all day to see football. But, you know, if you're Florida traveling on the road to Oxford, that's a pretty long trip. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're adjusting to a one-hour time change. So it's actually going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff over there. Um, weird things can happen with those early kickoff times, man. We've seen it year over year. Like you said, in a season opener where you're still maybe trying to work out some kinks, you don't really know what to game plan for against Ole Miss with them having a new coach and Lane Kiffin, new schemes. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be, whether they're going to trot out John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral, uh, who's, you know, obviously a guy that Florida fans are familiar with. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it creates some potential trickiness. Now, I think, you know, like we've kind of talked about all off season, the, the benefit for Florida is that they are one of the more veteran teams. Um, but it'll be interesting. I know that when, you know, when Florida scrimmaged last week, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit, um, they did it late at night, you know, and I think typically, you know, Dan Mullen has tried to organize their fall camp practice schedule around, you know, what the kickoff times for the first couple of weeks are going to be. And so typically in his first two years, you've had those, you know, kind of earlier games where you can pretty much plan on, you know, an Eastern Washington game being at a 730 on, you know, the SEC network. Uh, they they tend to try to structure camp so that they practice along that schedule. I don't know how you do that with a, with a noon game. It's a lot harder to do. Surely you can, you know, they, they've got one more scrimmage, I believe, in fall camp, maybe two, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. I think they only have one, actually. Uh, before they start to get into game week prep, Um, but it's harder. So you can set up a scrimmage to to practice like it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, but it's harder to adjust your, you know, your practices during the week around that. So it's a little bit of a complication. You know, I think it'll be interesting. I think, you know, Dan Mullen made the point, and, and maybe this is maybe even more relevant than the actual game times, but Dan Mullen made the point that he's not super thrilled with the way the schedule played out in terms of Kentucky and Tennessee being, you know, their first two SEC games that they had game planned for already this offseason, now all of a sudden they get shifted back in the schedule, to the back end of the schedule, where by the time you play those teams, you know, that, that offseason work that Dan Mullen and his staff did scouting those two opponents is basically worthless, and all of a sudden now you move Ole Miss up in the schedule from where it originally was, you move South Carolina up from where it originally was, Florida staff didn't spend time game planning those quite as in-depth as they did Kentucky and Tennessee, so now, you know, they're, they're adjusting on the fly at least now you know the start time. But, uh, you know, here's an actual quote from Dan Mullen talking about the Ole Miss game being moved up. He said, it's a pain in the rear end because you can't watch Ole Miss things because Lane Kiffin wasn't there last year. You're watching Ole Miss film to watch players and you're watching where he was, where the offensive coordinator, where the defensive coordinator was throughout the years. And you're trying to mix and match it all together. Uh, At least we now know the time, Blake, um, but definitely an interesting, you know, start to the schedule for Florida. I think two of those first three on the road, man, that's going to be tricky
1: definitely is. And I I think you bring up a good point with just, you know, the time difference there. Um, Me personally, I'm not a fan of early kickoffs. I know from a media standpoint, you know, it's for us, you know, I mean, we don't really get to watch a lot of the games. So there's good and bad. I mean, I don't know. Noon games are just kind of hard to, I don't know. It's hot. You know, I'm, I'm usually down on the field, like melting to death. So um, for us, it's good and bad. I don't like it because it's just, you know, I don't know. It's hard to get, you know, hyped up for a game it's you know all those kind of things but in the same sense we do get to watch football we get to watch football earlier your days earlier ends earlier um so I, I guess there's good and bad there but uh it, it, with it being an away game um you know I guess it's not something I have to worry about and you know with with fans and whatnot even in the game so I, I think I'm probably getting a little bit too ahead of myself but personally yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of noon games though
0: yeah I mean who knows uh, I think uh, the SEC what said it's a 50 percent Capacity for the press box this year, so I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know if they're drawing names out of a hat. We'll have to figure that all out. Uh, I don't even know if we'll be able to travel. You know, right now we're we're uh, kind of on lockdown as far as travel with our company goes. So we'll see. But uh Blake, let's let's talk some actual football now.
1: Yeah, Thomas. Florida had their first scrimmage this past Friday. Um, you know, a lot of excitement there. It was closed down in the media, but uh you know there were still some uh, some nuggets that came out of that that scrimmage. I uh, guess how did it all go?
0: Well, you know, I think. First off, it was a little sloppy just from the standpoint that, you know, Florida's players kind of organized an impromptu rally, uh, you know, marching into downtown Gainesville and then back kind of protesting some of the racial injustice and and social justice issues that have gone on around the country and and sparked a lot of that kind of movement, Uh, you know. And so it was really impromptu, even caught Dan Mullen off guard a little bit. Um, You know, obviously Dan Mullen, you know, I'm sure most people have seen kind of participated in the rally with them. Uh, But then when they got back to the facilities, uh, not everybody was ready to scrimmage. It took them a long time to kind of gather everybody and and have enough players to actually go host the scrimmage. Um, So a couple guys sat out. Um, Trayvon Grimes and and Jacob Copeland were two that we can confirm uh, did not participate in the scrimmage. You know, Dan Mullen actually told us um, on Monday when we talked to him after the scrimmage or Saturday, I believe. Uh, that Kyle Pitts was a guy that they pretty much held out because they know what he can do. So the scrimmage really Blake was, was a lot focused on younger guys. There were a lot of younger guys getting reps. Um, I, you know, there are a lot of different groups that uh, Dan Mullen came talking about out of it. Uh, Malik Davis was a guy that he mentioned really, really did well, uh, which I think Blake is terrific news for Florida. We've talked a lot this off season about, you know, that running back room and not knowing exactly what Florida has behind Damian Pierce. Um, if Malik Davis is back to his 2017 form, and that's that's basically what Dan Mullen said. He said, he's the guy that I saw before I ever got here as the coach, uh, meaning, you know, that 500-plus yards he had as a freshman before he hurt his knee against Georgia. I mean, that's a significant deal for for Florida, right, Blake?
1: Absolutely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's just Florida has guys that, you know, you could make the case that they could – you know, take that next step. Lorenzo Lingard being a, you know, a former five star. You have Naquan Wright, who is, a, you know, a big time guy coming out of high school, had an injury um, and, and has seemingly, you know, back on track. You know, I'm not saying that he, you know, he's still banged up, but he's a younger guy that, you know, you don't really know how he's going to translate to college. Um, and then you've got Malik Davis, who had that big, you know, freshman season, but just hasn't really I guess back that up or continue that and, you know, and and kind of later he he has, and I mean, he's been dealing with injuries and whatnot too. And he had that bad injury back in his freshman year, but I I guess it's good to know that the, you know, the running backs were having some success in that scrimmage just because a Florida really did struggle last year in the run game in general, and B, you know, you're losing a guy like Lamichael P Ryan. um, You kind of have an idea that Damian Pierce is going to be that running back one, you know, coming out of at least the start of the season for right now, but kind of past that, you know, it's, it's a lot of question marks. So you could, we, you know, we've talked about the running back room plenty of times on the podcast, but you really don't know until you get in these game type situations that a scrimmage brings. You know, it's full go. You're um, you're playing real football, you know, in practice, you know, you're kind of working on things and you're doing this, you're doing that, you're not full go. But, you know, it's probably good for Florida to at least get somewhat of an idea, A, you know, who can be that guy past Pierce and B, um, you know, just that there is signs of, you know, the running game seemingly is, is, you know, kind of picking things up, you know, hard to tell with the A being, you know, their first football that they played since with the orange bowl, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, there's going to be rust, but it's certainly, it's certainly been a question mark for Florida, you know, is the run game going to be there? And and it's good to see signs of that, especially from a guy like Malik Davis, who's been banged up.
0: Yeah. And I think you kind of hit on a point that, you know, I would make is it's hard to put too much stock into the, the, this scrimmage one, because, you know, you haven't had any real live tackling, real football since, you know, the Orange Bowl. I mean, it's been nine months. These guys didn't get any spring ball. Um, You are, you know, working some different installs. You know, every year they tweak things a little bit based on what they think the personnel is going to be. So it's a little bit different. But then, too, I think, you know, we even saw it last year, you know, coming out of some of these scrimmages, Florida staff really felt like they were going to be able to run the ball, you know, and we weren't talking a whole lot about, you know, the, the, the offensive line and the potential that it could be bad you know I mean we we knew that they had a lot to replace after they lost all those veterans from the year before but we didn't know how bad it would be and part of that is because you don't really know when you're going against each other you know and that's something that Dan Mullen has pointed to Um, you know he he came and flat out said that he thought they were going to be much better running the ball last year and it turned out that what they were seeing in fall camp was really that they weren't great at stopping the run uh, you know which we saw defensively at times last year so you know, you're always playing that that kind of fine-tuned balance of, you know, not wanting to think too much of one side or another um, until you get out there and see it against another team in games. Um, but I do think f- from an athletic standpoint, I think you can take away that at least Malik Davis, from a physical standpoint, looks like he's running 100%. And that, that can be nothing but good news for Florida. Um, I, I do think there's probably some of the fact that, you know, the like I said, it was a, a scrimmage, largely for younger players. You know, we don't know exactly which guys participated uh, on the defensive line, but we do know that the coaches came out talking about a lot of those freshman defensive linemen. Uh, So it stands to reason that there were plenty of reps for those guys. And so you would expect those guys to maybe be a little bit slower against an offensive line that, you know, does have a little bit more experience. Um, So not to put too much on the run game, but I do think that is an encouraging sign that kind of came out of that scrimmage. And I think, you know, one of my other big takeaways, Blake, was, you know, those freshman receivers, uh, both redshirt freshmen and true freshmen. They got a lot of reps, obviously, with, with Grimes and Copeland sitting out. And uh, I, I think at this point, we're starting to see that Florida can probably rely on Xavier Henderson and Jaquavian Frazier. And I know, you know, those are two guys you covered in recruiting and talked about quite a bit, uh, can, can maybe add some firepower to that Florida receiving core.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, these are the, you know, the prototypical type of Dan Mullen receivers. You know, he likes those guys that are big, long and lanky and can run. You can see it just over the course of his coaching career, you know, whether he was at Florida, whether he was at uh, you know, at Mississippi state, he likes those cyborg type receivers, um, you know, Jaquavion Frazier's, uh, Xavier Henderson are some guys that, you know, they they came in with a little size too. And I think, and not necessarily in, in the height category, they they just filled out a little bit more, you know, you're not there. I guess your typical freshman where you, you know, you kind of look and you see the entire team and you're like, yep, that's the freshman, you know, he, he's the one who looks, you know, smaller than some of those guys. They're a little bit more physically built. They're and I think that's there. encouraging. Yeah, no, you, they look like, you know, D1 college football players. And I think that, I think Henderson is just one that he's really interesting in the fact that he's, he's got the size, he's got, you know, NF, you know, his brother's in the NFL, he's athletic. CJ was, you know, really athletic himself, mm-hmm. I mean, Xavier's got some, some jets on him. I mean, he can run. I mean, I think he's a guy that can easily, you know, jump in there and, and make that impact as a freshman.
0: Yeah, I mean, assuming nothing changes with, you know, guys deciding to opt out last second, and you, you never know. I mean, we've seen guys across the country initially say they were going to play. Jamar Chase at LSU is one that sticks out. You know, I think he tweeted then on, like, like August 9th that we want to play. And then, obviously, uh, big news yesterday, uh, officially decided to opt out. Uh, But assuming that, you know, all the guys that we're talking about right now, you know, the Copeland Grimes, uh, assuming all these guys play, I think Florida's going to have plenty of weapons, you know, this fall. They may be young and you may have some occasional issues where, you you know, you bust a route, communication's a little broken. um, But they're going to have guys that can make things happen once they get the ball in their hands. And that's what really I think you're concerned about coming out of a season where you lose four senior receivers. Um, Blake, the other thing, go ahead.
1: I was actually going to ask you, you mentioned just before we kind of moved on, you mentioned that there were a lot of younger guys. I know you mentioned the wide receivers, mm-hmm. um, but there was some defensive linemen too that Mullen did talk up after that scrimmage. Can you kind of give us some info on that? There was a, yeah, a Jalen um, Humphrey signing, I believe.
0: Yeah, there was. Let's let's talk about defense on the other side of the break. I wanted to quickly finish up on, on offense, but we'll definitely get to that. Um, uh, the other thing that was interesting to me from the scrimmage was we didn't hear a lot about Emery Jones, but based on what I've heard, he got a lot of reps, and so did Anthony Richardson. Um, It sounds like Kyle Trask was also limited a little bit. Again, he's a guy that, you know, they kind of know what they're doing. Um, So I think, you you know, one thing that Dan Mullen has pointed out is that they're at a place with Trask now where he's comfortable enough and knows kind of what they want to get coached, that they're able to work on the high level stuff when he's in, they don't have to like slowly ramp it up, you know, with that base stuff, they can really get to what they want to work on with him. And so it sounded like he had a really, really good scrimmage was very sharp, um, but didn't necessarily rep a whole lot. And for me, I'm more interested in what that means for Emory Jones. You know, like how much did Emory Jones get involved in the scrimmage? You know, how much are they going to kind of work him together? Um, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but Blake, do you do you envision a real kind of two quarterback system? I mean, I know we saw it a little bit last year, but do you think that expands, or do you think it's more or less kind of the same as what we've been seeing?
1: You know, I, I guess my in, in my in my head, I think that there has to be some way to expand it just because of what Emory brings and how different it is from what Kyle Trask is. You know, Emory is, you know, that athletic runner. He can kind of make things happen with his legs, whether that's, you know, scrambling out and, you know, kind of shaking some guys and finding someone to throw the ball to or taking off with his legs. I think in some ways you have to find a way to get him in there just because of how athletic he is. You could see what they did in certain different packages. But then on the other side, I kind of look at what Kyle Trask did last year. I mean, he had a really great season, you know, all things considered. And for the most part, he's kind of you know, slimmed down on some of that weight that he had last year. Not that he was overweight, but he did slim up a little bit, trimmed up a little bit. And it seems that you know it's kind of helped with his throw. It, it seems to have elevated his game overall. He's got that extra year of actually playing, you know, being the starting guy. I mean, he wasn't a starting quarterback even in high school. So right. I, just, I, I think to myself, yes, you have to find some way to put Emory Jones in the field with how athletic he is and seemingly how he fits more into what Mullen wants to do with those kind of athletic quarterbacks. But with how good Kyle Trask was last year, how he seems to be kind of the guy, the leader of the team, I just don't know that you can take those reps away from him.
0: See, I've kind of, kind of changed my view on this because that's, that's how I felt initially. And the more I think about it, the more I think, I think they need to get Emory involved in games early and often because this is going to be a year where you're not sure what happens. You know, I mean, you have to be prepared for everything. And I think the more you can get him game reps, if God forbid something happens to Kyle Trask, you know, he goes down to a normal injury or, you know, comes up with COVID and is out for two, three weeks. Um, I think you need to be ready for that. And so I I am kind of now anticipating not a whole lot more than we saw Emory get involved last year, but at least a little bit more. And I think that offers some potentially interesting wrinkles for the Florida offense, which again, I think at this point, you know, I know we're only one scrimmage in, uh, you know, two weeks into camp, but we're really, really about halfway through camp now. Uh, We're one or two practices, give or take, from halfway through camp. Um, And I I think the Gators are starting to get an idea of the guys they'll be able to count on from a skill position standpoint and then hopefully, you know, gelling on the offensive line. But, Blake, I know we talked about those defensive linemen. I know you asked me about them. I want to get to that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back talking Todd Grantham, the Florida defense, and some interesting guys on that side of the ball right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I cut you off a little bit earlier. Let's get to it. Let's talk defensive linemen. Um, bottom line, a bunch of bunch of freshmen got a ton of reps. And I think this will come as no shock to anyone that's listened to us on the podcast. But Javon Dexter is the one that, you know, kind of immediately the coaches circle. You know, Todd Grantham, we got a chance to talk to him last night on a Zoom call. And he was the first guy out of Grantham's mouth when asked about, you know, the freshman defensive lineman. Obviously a huge guy, 6'6", pushing over 300 pounds now. Um, basically what we expected, you know, and, and I think had kind of reported on the last podcast, Dexter's going to work inside only for now. Um, Florida's coaching staff, like uh, I think we mentioned it on the last podcast, really feel more comfortable with these young guys, getting them involved in one spot, making sure that they're ramping up to that so that they're not thinking about eight different things. And then kind of as they get older, and, and Todd Grantham specifically put it that way last night, as they get older and start to understand what the guys around them are doing more, it's easier to shift them into a different role because they already kind of know what that role is supposed to do. Um, so I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Javon Dexter on the edge this year. I think he's going to be primarily inside, but definitely he's a guy that you know they've circled. And then you mentioned it. Uh, Jalen Humphreys was actually mentioned a little bit. I know on the Swamp 24-7 message boards, uh, he's a guy that is always a popular topic. I don't know that the casual fan maybe knows him because he hasn't been involved at all, hasn't uh, really even been written about from practice reports. You know, a lot of times these true freshmen were writing about them because, you know, it, it's interesting. Guys want to know how the new guys are doing. Well, Jalen Humphreys, you know, dealt with injuries for pretty much, you know, I would say, the first two-thirds of last year, maybe, maybe half. Um, but really didn't practice until into the second half of the year. So he's kind of almost like a faux true freshman. Um, but, you know, getting involved inside and, and the Florida staff uh, liked kind of some of what they saw about him. Jalen Lee was the other guy, obviously a, a defensive tackle out of Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very talented prospect. Uh, maybe you can speak more to what uh, he brings to the table as a, as a defensive lineman. But those were kind of the three freshman defensive linemen that they, the, the staff kind of circled.
1: Yeah, you know, I think at this point, you know, you have to put Jalen Humphreys on that same, I guess, kind of playing field is like a true freshman. You know, he he just hasn't had those kind of reps, and it's good to see – it's good to see that he's he's you know I guess even if you, you don't want to put a ton of you know weight into you know just one scrimmage but it, it's it's encouraging because Florida is going to need some of these younger guys on the defensive line to step up whether it's a redshirt freshman whether it's a true freshman and, you know I think we both agree that Jervon Dexter is the one that jumps out more than anyone just because I mean a six foot six you know big guy like that I mean there, there's always a, a place to put some guy like that so mm-hmm. I, I think at this point it's good because Florida through the recruiting trail, even, you know, in this last cycle of 2020, I mean, they were telling these guys that, you know, you're going to come in and we're going to need you guys to play early. So, you know, at this point, when you look at, you know, the one guy that Florida signed at defensive tackle in 2019, which was Jalen Humphreys, and you've got these guys in the 2020 class and there are even some other ones, you know, they signed a pretty deep group there, um, you know, they were brought in to, to see the field early and to contribute early. So, I mean, that's what they're going to need to do. Um, and it's good to see the coaches are, you know, getting their feet wet because it's it's a tough year to be a true freshman, man, in the SEC playing a 10-game schedule, you know, all-conference schedule. So, I mean, these guys are going to need to be ready to go. And I think whenever you're naming off these guys, the, the thing that jumps out, you know, from a guy like Jalen Lee, um, even Jervon Dexter, I mean, they're guys with size. You know, that's what yeah. Florida's going to need. Um, and, and, you know, they're athletic enough to kind of make those, you know, to, to, to get some pressure back there, but, I mean, Javon Dexter, I mean, five-star player, I mean, he, he's a guy that, I mean, nobody should be surprised that, you know, he's getting, you know, at least some some encouraging reports early on in camp.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was named a 24-7 sports preseason freshman All-American, uh, certainly a nice tip of the cap to him there. But you mentioned it, I mean, these guys are going to have to play, not just this year, and, and that's where it's kind of a tricky balancing act is – you are playing a 10-game SEC schedule. You don't have an Eastern Washington or a South Alabama or a New Mexico State to kind of get these guys involved. Now, now the good thing is you don't have to worry about red shirts at all, you know, this season, which is really nice. I mean, these guys can play as much as they can handle, basically. Um, but, you know, when when looking at the roster, I mean, Florida is not going to have a single junior or senior at defensive tackle next year. I mean, literally, not a single one. I mean, you're losing to Darrell Slayton, Kyrie. Can't, well, okay, I, actually, I say that. Let me back that up. In nor- if, if things were normal, Florida would not have a single junior or senior. I guess, theoretically, some of these guys could come back since, you know, this year is technically like a non-counter year for eligibility. Um, but, you know, assuming all those guys were to follow the normal track, there's there's no players in between the senior class and those freshmen. So they're going to have to play. They're going to have to play early. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how these coaches handle the balance of, okay, we don't want to overwhelm these guys. We don't want to involve them too much before they're ready but we're also going to need them next year. Um, And so I think, you know, getting these guys that many reps in this scrimmage was a big deal and kind of seeing which ones can handle themselves physically uh, versus guys that are just overwhelmed mentally. I think once you know the guys, you know, that are capable of doing it physically, it's easier to start to kind of simplify things, tell them, here's what we're looking at, and then slowly build on that base knowledge. Uh, And I think that's what Florida's coaches are using this scrimmage to do. Um, You know, we know that Florida likes to rotate liberally up front. That's kind of their thing. You know, they like to keep guys fresh into the fourth quarter. We've seen that pay off time and time again. You know, that Mississippi State game in 2018. Um, You know, countless examples. Auburn last year. That's kind of their bread and butter. They like to get these guys involved, and these guys are definitely going to play. I think edge rusher is just as interesting, too. That's a spot that right now maybe Florida has a little bit more experience, but we don't really know in games. You know, we talked to Todd Grantham last night, and obviously – Blake, Brenton Cox wearing the number one jersey is a guy that has everybody's attention. Another former five-star prospect that Dan Mullins brought in via the transfer portal. We don't know what he looks like. I mean, obviously, everybody's raving about his work ethic. Um, We saw him get on the field at Georgia, and we've talked about that. Anytime you can do that in a star-studded place like that for that defense as a true freshman, it says a lot about you. Um, I, I thought it was interesting last night in talking about Brenton Cox. Todd Grantham brought up that they've really worked on a lot of fundamentals with him really made it sound like they've cleaned up some things that maybe were a little bit sloppy or, you know, have added some fundamentals, some technique that maybe can help him become kind of that Jonathan Grenard type player for the Gators. Um, but Blake, when you, when you look at that rush end group between Brenton Cox, Jeremiah Moon, Chris Bogle, I guess you could even include, uh, a Diabate because they've talked about him in that role as well, even though we expect he's going to play some linebacker too. Uh, who are the guys right now that you're kind of most excited about
1: you know I, i'm excited for brenton cox just because whenever you bring a five-star guy in like that um and, and you see just the rave reviews you see him getting the number one jersey which you know florida doesn't really give that thing you know they, they I, what's Mullins? you know quote he says you got to be a dude to wear number one or, or something yeah. to that effect i mean it, it shows that they a think very highly of him um and, and i think just the you know, you bring a guy like that through the transfer portal. He can't play last year. He has to sit. And then this year, you know, there's closed practices. And and I think there's a ton of excitement just because, you know, he's, he's worked some at even strong side defensive end. He's, you know, been used as, you know, kind of a, a, you know, an edge rusher type. He does seem to really have a lot of versatility in his game to where you can kind of move him around. You can put him in positions to be successful. And I think in general that's exciting because in Todd Grantham's defense, that position of, you know, getting to the quarterback, I mean, it's an exciting spot he uses and it's an exciting spot in his defense. So I think that that's where, you know, kind of brings to where he's one that I really want to follow. Um, But, you know, I go back to Chris Bogle, you know, you look at what he did last year as a true freshman. um, And I think that he's looks a lot more physically developed just from, you know, from last year to this year, from just the clips we've seen of him. And I think that when you're going to be able to move, Brenton Cox around it, some, you know, some strong side defensive end. It obviously depends on the personnel and what they're doing. But I think that whenever you have, I don't know, just the thought of Brenton Cox playing some strong side defensive end and having Chris Bogle on the other side, you know, you know, kind of being that edge rusher guy. I I think it's very exciting to think of that possibility of Florida's defense, you know, kind of making that chaos in the backfield and what they can bring.
0: Yeah. And I think you need another guy that you can count on to be kind of an every down guy. And I think they, they believe Jeremiah moon can be that guy. And, and I, again, I go back to health being the big issue there, you know, he's got to prove that he can stay consistently healthy, uh, but he's definitely a guy that has flashed some, but I think Chris Bogle based on, you know, kind of tapping sources and talking to, to, you know, people in the program that are out there at practice and seeing what's going on they're they're raving about Chris Bogle. Uh, like you said, I, I was extremely high on him last year. I thought, you know, obviously when you looked at him physically, it didn't look like he'd be able to handle the sec. I mean, just, just very bluntly, he looked too, too, too lean to be able to handle the edge. And he just didn't play that way. He played much stronger than that. I think now you see that he's bulked up a little bit. He, he's potentially a guy that I think, you know, I I, I know Diabate was kind of the one that we circled and, and really, I guess you would say was more of the breakout player between the two last year. But I think Bogle's the guy this year. That's going to really turn some heads potentially nationally. Um, you know, and I think he's got the versatility to, like you said, do a couple different things the same way that Brenton Cox can. Um, yeah.
1: Thomas, I think one of the hottest topic, I guess, defensive positions from last year to this year that, you know, it's just been, you know, continually talked about, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the swamp 24, seven message board is the star position. Florida kind of shopped some guys around last year at that position. You know, They use trade Dean. I don't know that that really worked. They put Marco Wilson in certain situations. Um, I guess, have you heard anything on that position just kind of so far through camp? You know, it seems like Florida is kind of shopping some guys around regardless of what position, just to kind of see, you know, cross train what they do and how they move guys on defense. But I guess, are there any early returns so far at that star position?
0: Yeah, I think shopping around is probably a good way to put it. I I don't know that we're going to see one player lock down that spot. a la you know, a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you know, where he was kind of the guy throughout the whole year, even like. CD
1: deuce. That's CD deuce, man.
0: Name change. I always forget that. Um, but I don't know that we're going to have one guy that, that, you know, is full-time always in that role. And I think that speaks a little bit to, you know, what Chauncey was good at. He's, he was physical enough to come up and play the run, but also had the coverage ability to kind of hang one-on-one with people in coverage. And I think that's why you saw him get on the field early for the NFL in the NFL for the saints. Um, I I think Florida is going to try a lot of different guys there. I think Amari Burney is probably your quote unquote primary starter, Um, but I think he's going to more man that role against teams that have kind of a bigger guy in the slot, you know, a guy that's not necessarily a burner at receiver. Um, And, and in that way he can kind of help you against the run as well. Um, I, I think Marco Wilson will occasionally slide inside. And again, we talked about that a little bit last episode, I think where, That kind of depends on who steps up outside. If they get another guy outside, like a, you know, a Jaden Hill ends up looking really good outside where they feel comfortable kind of sliding those personnel around. I think Marco is the guy that matches up maybe a little bit more with a speedy receiver. And, you know, Chester Kimbrough is another guy that can do that I think in that spot, you know, Travez Johnson's a freshman that they're going to work in there. Um, I think, it's going to be a little mix and match, you know, I mean, Florida's defense does that a lot as is kind of at every position, you know, with guys moving between buck and inside linebacker or buck and outside linebacker or buck and strong side, they, they like to have that flexibility. And I think you're going to see that a lot this year because I'm not entirely sold that Amari Bernie can be a Chauncey Gardner where you can just leave him out there against every type of matchup. Um, But I do think Florida has the flexibility knowing that Marco Wilson can step inside. And I thought played, I thought really played his best football, in the nickelback role last year, as opposed to outside, Um, you've got the flexibility to do that. So I think, I think that's mostly what we're going to see. And, and I think that flexibility extends even to a place like linebacker. You know, I think Ventrell Miller clearly is the guy right there. And talking to Todd Grantham was actually interesting and actually getting to see Ventrell on a zoom call last night. He's definitely slimmed up. You know, that's something that Todd Grantham pointed out. Um, So I think Florida's trying to get, and we've, we've talked about it. They're trying to get more athletic across the board defensively. They're trying to get faster. And I think this is going to be one of the fastest Florida defenses we've seen in a while, you know, between, you know, Diabate getting some snaps inside at linebacker. I just really – I think this Florida defense is just oozing with potential just from an athletic standpoint, Blake.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. When you just kind of look at the guys they've recruited – uh, especially on defense, you, you've got a lot of guys that are very athletic. You've got a guys that can kind of cross train and play at different positions. So, you know, there, there's not only some versatility that Florida's getting more and more on defense, but they're all, all also getting more athletic. We have talked about the linebacker position that they continue to add those athletic guys. And I mean, a guy like Jervon Dexter on the defensive line, you know, with his size, I mean, he's athletic too in his own. Um, You know, just the, you know, the butt guys that Florida's brought in, you look at, you know, a guy like Muhammad Diabate um, and even Chris Bogle, who were, you know, kind of on the shrimpier side coming in as freshmen. But despite that smaller size compared to maybe, you know, some other guys on the depth chart that have been in that college weightlifting program, I mean, they still held their own their freshman year. So I think that that's a good point that you bring that Florida's defense is getting a lot more athletic.
0: And they have a lot of options. You know, that's the thing that I think is the theme right now on defense. They have a lot of options at every position. You know not all of them are proven you've got a lot of young defensive linemen really at linebacker nobody's really proven there I mean Ventrell Miller you know he started 11 games and has done well but outside of him you just don't really know what you're getting you just know you have a lot of potential options that have good upside uh, I think the same is true at safety where we haven't really talked about a whole lot yet and it's funny and I know Swamp 24-7 uh, subscribers will probably get on me for this because I sound like a broken record at safety you know every time they ask about what's the best combination and all that I say well look Donovan Steiner you know, he's your guy that's limited a little bit physically, but is super consistent, very good communicator. It was funny. Literally, Todd Grantham described the safety room the exact same way last night, said, you know, Steiner's been super consistent, very good communicator. He said, Sean Davis, you know, obviously has flashed, which is, you know, a nice way to say he needs to be a little more consistent. Um, but, Blake, one guy that's turning heads in the secondary uh, is a true freshman. And Rashad Torrance is a guy that had a terrific scrimmage, uh, double-digit tackles, was really coming up and laying the wood. Um, I don't know if you saw him much as a recruit. Uh, Maybe you can speak to him a little bit. Uh, But he's a guy that certainly has caught everybody's eye early on in fall camp.
1: You know, it's funny that just coming up as a recruit, I mean, this was a tackle machine. I I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me what he put up, you know, as a senior. But, I mean, he was – I mean, he had a, a ton of tackles, and I think that whenever you come in as, as a secondary guy, you can be athletic, you can do this, you can do that. I mean, you can, you can be the perfect package, but if you're a guy that can come in and maybe you're not as athletic or maybe you're not as fast or maybe you don't do this but you don't do that, but you can tackle, I feel like you know those guys that are very physical and, and can tackle, those are the guys that see the field earlier, and I think that that's something that has, has kind of always caught my eye from just watching Torrance on tape. Um, is that he is you know he's all over the field he's sideline to sideline and he's very aggressive and i mean he he like you said i mean he he will you know just run through you and i think that whenever you see the pictures of him now um always kind of a bigger frame you know muscular type of safety but i mean the pictures of him now just from the little bit that he has been you know just kind of working out that college level i mean being a, an early enrollee is great it does get you those things but i mean he didn't get the benefit of a normal year of you know kind of the strength and conditioning and even now if you look at the pictures of him now i mean th- this is a like how old is he like 18, 19 year old kid? Like, I mean, he looks like a, like a grown man out there. So I I think that, um, I'm excited to see how he goes from here because I think that that physical standpoint he brings, I, I think he, I think he brings something a little different than some of the other guys that Florida brought into that position.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm trying to think of like safeties that have been talked about, you know, by people in the program, the way Rashad has in the last week or two as a true freshman and the only ones that really come to mind, in the 13 years that I've been closely following and covering UF football, I think there's three. Keanu Neal was a guy that right off the bat came in and everybody was just blown away by how hard a hitter he was. Matt Elam and Major Wright, those are the three guys that I remember initially, like right off the bat in fall camp, everybody was just like turned, you know, everybody was raving about. And I think we're getting that level of report on Rashad Torrance in terms of his hitting ability. So that's the guy at circle uh, from the true freshman, you know, defensive bat class. Obviously there's a lot of them, Avery Helm, Jahari Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, uh, a new one in Kamar Wilcoxon who enrolled this week, um, you know, and is a reclassify from the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, but Rashad Torrance I think is a guy that Florida fans are going to know for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I, and, again, I, you know, just kind of looking at what he did in his senior year of high school, um, you know, and, and being that early enrollee type – and thinking of him and kind of, you know, just those guys you named off that, you know, kind of comparing him to, he does have a lot of similarities to Keanu Neal, you know, just with, you know, the heavy hitter kind of filled out there. But I think the biggest comparison between those two for me, just from covering them as recruits, was they were very mature for their age. You know, they they were guys that were no nonsense. They're going to come in, they're going to work hard. You know, they're like a sponge and they're going to soak up the coaching. So I think that, that, that that's another really good trait that he has. And I, I think of those guys you named, um, I, I think I, I get kind of, uh, you know, just some glimpses of Keanu Neal in his game. And I think that's a, a really good comparison.
0: Yeah, definitely not a bad one. No, not at uh, all. All right Blake it's September 1st which uh is apparently an important time on the recruiting calendar can you quickly fill us in on on where we're at with recruiting right now
1: Yeah definitely September 1st marks the first day that college coaches can can initiate contact with guys in the 2022 class you know those junior guys um Florida has already offered I think when I looked today they had somewhere around like 164 165 total offers in general in the 22 class um but it's it's been kind of tricky how you do those communications. You can obviously send these guys mail. Um, If if a prospect calls, you know, the coaches, you know, they get their numbers. You know, there are plenty of ways, you know, a college coach uh, reaches out to the high school head coach. Hey, you know, have so-and-so give me a call. Here's my number. But the kid has to initiate that contact. And it does make it a little tricky just because you have to rely on, you know, a 15-, 16-year-old kid to, you know, keep up with, you know, I don't even know how many coaches. I mean, guys now, you know, they get offers as their freshman year. So, I mean, a a kid could easily have 16 offers, you know, heading into that junior year before September 1st. So that's a lot to keep up with. But I guess at this point, it's just when you see recruiting kind of heat up. You know, the coaches can get in contact on their own. You know, you can kind of see, I guess, so to say, you know, who wants me. Um, So, I, you know, it's been a busy day. I mean, a lot of the guys, Florida's already hit up you know, this starts at midnight, you know, coaches, you know, getting in touch with some of these guys. I know five-star cornerback Jaheim Singletary out of Jacksonville, he he'd mentioned that you know Dan Mullen had sent him a text you know shortly after midnight so you know I mean it starts pretty early and you know it's just going to be a I always make the joke with some of these guys that you know whenever September first rolls around in your junior year that's when your recruiting really starts just because not only do you have all these you know reporters like me that are you know asking for you know quotes and you know hey can you talk to me for a couple minutes but now you've got you know maybe you know, three, four, five coaches from one school alone, you know, getting in touch with you, you know, letting it known that you're wanted here. So it it definitely kind of picks up and, you know, that, 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 that those phones for some of these, you know, 22 guys, I mean, they're, they're blowing up today. So it's a, it's a busy day for these guys and it's, it's, it's pretty much not going to stop, you know, all the way till signing day. So enjoy it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know it'll keep you busy. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Swamp 24 seven podcast. I do want to thank all the listeners, uh, subscribers of Swamp 24-7. Uh, we just came out of a month where we had a promo for our 10-year anniversary, and you guys were all over it. I know you guys are super excited about year three under Dan Mullen. Uh, you guys helped propel us to, I believe, second in the network overall in terms of uh, new subscriptions sold last month. So we appreciate that you guys are showing us love in uh, liking the content. Uh, be sure to give us any feedback you can. Drop a review on the podcast. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And we'll try to do more of the things you guys like. Uh, for now, guys, that's going to do it for us on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in.